There's another episode of Matt's Crummy Comics Collections exclusively on Patreon this month, and we continue the Atari game theme with Centipede Number 1 from 2017. That's right. That is a comic that is based after that stand-up game with the trackball, with the little thing that goes back and forth. Terrible sound effect, but you know what I'm talking about. You've played the game. How is that game going to be translated into a full-fledged comic? There's one way to find out, and that is checking out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash newsaz. To Matt's Crummy Comics Collection. I am Matt, and this is the general release episode for August 2018. And of course, this is a series where I take one of my regretful comic purchases that I've made over the years and wonder could I have used the money for a better purpose? And hammer that home. In this example, this episode, we're going to talk about Atari Force Volume 2, Issue 1. Not to be confused with Atari Force Volume 1 for all those rabid, numerous Atari Force fans out there. Apologies for anyone that might have mistaken that this is Volume 1. No, this is Volume 2. So with this being Volume 2, of course, there was a Volume 1 that came before that, and that is going to be part of the preamble story to this episode. So let's start off just by saying that both Volume 1 and Volume 2 were published by DC Comics. Volume 1 was part of a packaging, and I think as a kind of a promotional item, I'm not sure else what to call it, it was a five-run volume of comics that were written included with five Atari 2600 games. If you don't know what an Atari 2600 is, long, long, long story short, it's one of the original home game consoles, and it was invented in 1977. And before you go making fun of it, it's a very real fact that without it, we likely wouldn't have the level of consoles that we have today. So there. These comics were included to tell the story of the game you were about to play. So in a way, they were kind of like modern day cutscenes, but printed on paper. Issue one was included with Defender. Issue two, Berserker, or I'm sorry, just Berserk. Issue three, Star Raiders. Issue four, Phoenix. And issue five came with Galaxian. There was a common story thread in all five of these issues. The Atari Force team traveled the universe looking for a new home for Earth's residents. Fast forward 25 years later in that storyline, and I mean the comic book story only. This only happened in our real world time one year later with DC Publishing. The new Atari Force has their adventures in Atari Force Volume 2. The original Atari Force was successful in finding a new home for the Earthlings, and now the second Atari Force is constantly traveling through the galaxy, running into aliens and villains that have a personal vendetta against the team leader, Martin Champion. So why did I buy this? This one, okay, I'm not even entirely sure why myself. I honestly don't have any idea why I bought this because everything that I told you just now in that preamble, I had no idea when I bought this. So I didn't buy this to kind of find out what happened after those five original comics. I didn't buy it because I heard this existed. This is one of those comics that I have so little to know. In fact, I'll just say it. I have no recollection of buying that. There's a pretty good chance that it was part of another set of comics that I wanted to buy. And I had to buy the entire purchase, like maybe a box and we're talking small box. I don't mean a long box, or maybe a bag of comics, like a grab bag where I saw something I wanted 
because I really don't have any recall of specifically seeing this and wanting to get it, but I certainly have it. And this seemed like a perfect time to find out, <laughs> maybe find out why I have it. And if not, at least learn about what it is as it's been sitting collecting dust for, I really don't know how long. So let's start out like we usually do by talking about the cover. And this is a colorful cover. And I mean, I think it hits every color you can possibly muster up in ink in the 1980s. Is that what that says? I think it says July 1984, which I didn't even put my notes. I'm sorry, January 1984. And I take a closer look at it. It's got everything. It's the the background image, which (laughs) at one glance looks like it's some kind of evil creature with its hands trying to grasp down towards the Atari force. He's it. If that's what it is, that's in blue and purple, but it's kind of like a speckle spatter painting. It's actually kind of neat in that regard. It's not a great cover, but I kind of like this kind of speckle pattern, how it makes a, a, a seemingly looming figure in the background in the center ish, just a little low. We're talking like, two-thirds plus of the entire cover we have the atari force and we've got i don't know who they are yet but i'm guessing the most prominent guy is this blonde haired guy with kind of a space harpoon gun he's all in red with the atari symbol in white across his chest flowing yellow gold locks of hair a black headband and little bits of armor on his arms and shins i think that's the uh the main guy what did i say it was mark champion uh atari flash gordon not sure what his name is. I already lost it. Martin Champion. Martin Champion. Then we have like a green bug looking creature who's wearing a purple and pink robe, holding a red laser gun, pointing out to the right. It's 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 actually now that I'm looking at it, it's it's not a copy of the Star Wars poster, but it's I it was definitely inspired by it by the Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back poster, which would definitely both would have been published by actually Jedi as well. But it makes me think of Star Wars then Empire. Maybe a little touch of Jedi, but this is definitely inspired by that. So below uh, the alien green bug guy, we have kind of a a blue, light blue rat monkey. That's the best I can describe him. It looks like he looks like a hulking size of an ape, but he's kind of got little rat features as with his nose and his in his mouth, but not the long snoot. And so I don't know what he is yet. I guess we're gonna find out. Uh, and below him is Space Storm. <laughs> That's all I can say. This woman looks like Storm. She's in a similar looking costume. She looks like she's definitely the same group with Martin Champion. She's in a red costume. She kind of has some yellow armor. I don't see the Atari symbol, but it's probably somewhere on there. She's got blue shoulder pads. She's holding a like a black space rifle. Then we have Mouse Lion. I guess I could have could called him Rat Lion, but it's this, this creature thing with a big mane of hair. Definitely, this has more rat ears than than monkey or uh, rat monkey. It's mouse ears. Oh, he's mouse. No, I called him mouse mouse lion. He's got more mouse ears than rat monkey has rat ears. He definitely has a rat face. Uh, all these characters, I should say, have two legs and two arms, so they're humanoid. And this last guy, he's in green, so it's probably someone they picked up along the way. I don't think he's part of the space force. And last but not least, like running behind them, like the catch up is like an older looking version of Martin Champion, short blonde hair, red outfit. He has the Atari symbol as well, but it's a different design. So I'm wondering if this is the original captain from the first Atari force. I guess we're going to read and find out. 
At the top of the cover page, let's not miss one single square into this. It says DC Comics first issue, Atari Force by Jerry Conway and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Then at the bottom, we have introducing the strangest SF heroes of all. And that just about does, it, except for the price, which was 75 cents. And it's issue number one, and it was published on January 1984, like I said earlier. All right. Let's get into this mess. The story starts outside of Kino's Yak Tech Parlor on Rock's World. There is a sudden balloon as beings come crashing through a wall. And then after all these bodies have landed and cleared out, we have this small, another very monkey alien theme here. A yellow. This one looks like a yellow chimpanzee in a gray hat and blue vest drinking and mumbling some words in alien. I'm not even going to try to read those next page title page, Atari force part one, fresh blood. We also get all the credits. I said a couple of them in the beginning. We have uh by Conway Garcia, Lopez Villagrin. All three are sharing the byline. Bob Lapone is letterer, Tom Zucco as colorist and, and Heffler as editor. There's also some action going on on the page. It's actually a really interesting one and a one. I guess it's one and a half page spread because the second page, the right hand column, has its own panels. But in the action page, we've got two mercenaries having a little bit of a quibble with a character called General Kai. He owes them money and he isn't paying, and now they're making short work of the soldiers that he has brought in to kind of get them out of his hair. We learn that these two mercenaries are Dart. Dart is a white-haired, ponytailed woman. That is the woman from the cover page. And Blackjack, he is a green-goggled-wearing, cyber-headband-toting mercenary that fights with kind of a, a quarterstaff with a string on it. Interesting take on the weapon. And no, I didn't miss him on the cover. He's not on the cover. So in the words of Eddie Murphy, I'm asking, is he going to die? General Kai turns to those remaining soldiers in his army and tells him to kill the pair. But Blackjack reminds him that there's a reason he hired them to work with his army because they're the best. And what is left of this army is quickly defeated. At this point, we find out that the colony cops are on their way. So Dart tells Blackjack that they need to hightail it out of there. The two run for the back door, but there is no back door. And these colony cops start drawing closer towards them. Dart throws an explosive at the wall, blowing a hole into, creating a back door. Let's say she blows a hole into the wall. She and Blackjack jump. The wall is actually facing the side of a cliff, and the two are now falling directly towards the water. Dart pulls out a rope and a grappling ball from her belt. She throws it at the cliff. The ball springs out some hooks that grab onto the rocks. The rope catches them, and now the two are hanging precariously about a half mile over the raging water below. Meanwhile, General Kai has covered himself in a red cloak and is slipping by these colonial cops, and he's muttering to himself the whole way, and he's talking just like Yoda, and I'll get into more of that in my notes later. He manages to slip off the streets and ducks into a nearby cave. Inside the cave is this hulking armored being named Karg, K-A-R-G-G. I guess that's how you say it. And Karg confronts him. Karg wants to know where is Dart. Kai explains that she was smarter than he thought and that she saw the trap coming and she escaped. 
Karg tells Kai his failure will not be repeated as Karg throws Kai into an acid river running through the cave. Kai completely disintegrates in this river in about 16 seconds. And that's not an arbitrary number because it says right here in the comic, he lasts approximately 16 seconds. Cut to the merchant ship Kilo in orbit around the planet Egg, 3,000 light years from Rock's world. All these are words from the comic. Aboard the ship are two green-skinned aliens that are arguing why they're orbiting this planet. The captain says, despite what the computer readings show, there's something on this planet we're seeing, and he takes the ship down to the surface. The computer's right. There are no resources, no markets, no commodities on egg, but there is a people, and that is in quotes. In this case, people on egg are defined as large, round, lumbering people. These people, again in quotes in a comic, on egg move and walk freely just like any other kind of creature until they hit puberty. When they begin to age and grow, they harden. And we see this as a kind of a mountainscape is being revealed. And it's not really mountains per se as it is all the full-grown people of egg in this hardened state. Really interesting idea. Not sure I'm can't say this is probably based in any science i'm really curious what the inspiration for this type of creature was the captain of the kilo lures one of the babies from the planet to the ship with a trail of candy just like et once it's inside the cargo hold the captain traps the juvenile on the ship and they take off cut to a-t-a-r-i headquarters in orbit over new earth Tempest, who turns out is the red jumpsuit-wearing, long, blonde-haired dude and not Martin Champion, is in the midst of trying to escape a maze developed by Professor Venture. Professor Venture is currently showing Tempest's progress to Dr. Morphia. After Tempest figures out that every direction in this maze leads to a dead end, Dr. Venture releases a new set of obstacles, mechanical hunting machines. Tempest, desperate to escape, seemingly vanishes from one side of the approaching machine and reappears on the other. Dr. Venture explains that Tempest transferred himself to another level of the multiverse and back again. Of course, that's show-don't-tell comic. Tempest, now realizing this is a no-win maze, begins transporting, transferring himself, whatever it's called, from past each obstacle outside of the maze until he lands in the control room in front of Professor Venture and Dr. Morphia. Professor Venture introduces Dr. Morphia to Tempest, or by his given name, Christopher Champion. Uh? Dr. Morphia asks if Christopher is related to Martin Champion, the commander of the renowned Atari force, but Christopher asks if they could talk about that later. Venture informs Champion that Melissa is here, and he goes running off to see her. Dr. Morphia takes this moment to ask why Champion didn't want to talk about his father. Venture explains that Christopher was raised not to know his father and that his mother died after childbirth from a delayed reaction of her traveling through the multiverse. This is what also gives Champion his special abilities like we had just seen in that maze, apparently. Now we cut over to New Earth and First Landing Park. Christopher Champion and Melissa sit beneath a tree. Melissa asks Christopher if he is upset about all the terrible things her father says about the Atari Institute when speaking to the Senate. Whoa, okay, this came out of left field, but all right, let's move on. 
He assures her that it doesn't bother him, and then he begins to wonder where Dart is. She's like a big sister to him and always gets him out of these moods. Okay, this is like exposition. Is it character building or exposition? It's character exposition central and, and like condensed into a half a dozen panels. So, okay, let's push on because now we go over to Moon Alpha. It's an orbiting Jovian sized planet in the Betelgeist star system. A giant rat bear creature. This is what I call the rat lion on the cover. I'm now moved on to rat bear. This giant rat bear creature is scaling the walls of facility of the facility and he is breaking into it to steal the clavian crown jewels in the midst of this the lights turn on the alarm sounds robot guards enter the room they do a pulse pattern on this rat bear and it identifies him as tolka ali alias rack rat so i was half right i got the rat part right rack rat attacks and takes out these robot guards he escapes with the crown jewels and heads out to New Earth. Back on Rock's World, Dart and Blackjack climb up the mountain and back into the parlor that they escaped from earlier. Everyone is gone, including these colonial cops or colony cops. I'm sorry, that's what they were called. Colony cops sitting in a chair and grabbing a goblet. That's right. Not a glass, not a pint, but a goblet. Jackpack, Jackpack, Blackjack. I like, I like the, what did I say? Black. Jackpack? Whatever I said, I like I'm gonna use that character name in something. Blackjack proposes a toast. They're broke, they're half a thousand light years from Earth, and they're probably being hunted by colonial shocker cops thanks to the two-timing general Kai, but at least they've got each other. Dart moves in for a tender embrace and a long kiss. Blackjack declares, I got a feeling things are gonna start looking up, and adds we're due for a change of luck as General Kai's skeletal remains float past them along that acid river. And that is the end of Volume 2, Issue 1 of Atari Force. All right, I have some notes, as I always have. Starting out on the first page, nothing like starting a comic with alien language that's unpronounceable and ultimately doesn't have anything to do with the story because this character that was talking in this alien language that I did note in my notes and in this recording has nothing to do with the rest of the story. I don't know if it has anything to do with the rest of the series, this volume two, but certainly had nothing to do with volume one and not knowing what he's saying doesn't help at all. Blackjack. I'm not sure why Blackjack isn't on the cover considering this. He really does book end this comic and he's honestly kind of the coolest looking character in my opinion, he's a character that stands out most to me. I guess the argument could be made for uh, the designs in this. This are pretty interesting, but I don't know why he's he must he must die in the next issue. Uh, spoiler alert: I don't know. I haven't read him. The whole Captain wasn't the General Kai thing, the Yoda stuff. I'm not kidding when he says he talks about Yoda. It talks like Yoda, not about Yoda. As he's walking away past the cops after all the turmoil and chaos in that bar or whatever it was his line is no sight of dart and blackjack underestimated them i did i'm like that's i mean that is all yoda right there and it keeps going and actually the next one line is pleased he will not be and he's, that's where he's talking about craig and he's got another five panels of stuff and it goes on and on like that so <laughs> star wars inspiration hit me on the cover and it certainly came across in that dialogue and maybe some of the uh characters too all right, I'm on the page of the planet Egg now. These characters that are juveniles that eventually grow and turn into rocks, that was what I was calling, I think, 
rat monkey or something and okay so the, the look isn't isn't right at all but i don't understand why they're on the cover again unless it's an intro to the entire series run but that's a very odd thing to do because they don't have any lines where we last saw them getting trapped is the last we see them and honestly their story takes place over let's see one two two and a half panels that's it storytelling in this i've kind of mentioned it as i was going through it's like you don't know much and then you know a lot all at once like bam the the girlfriend what is her melissa is that right is it that human of a name with all the other names yeah that's it that her talking about her father in the senate and then the the power cosmic i know that's silver surfer but the whole thing that christopher champion has and then the whole not knowing his father and it's just it's a very weird comic now here's the the thing about this now citing those very strange instances in each page and whatnot i'm actually kind of curious what happens but just not enough to find out so i would probably check look at this on uh or check out the entry on uh there's got to be a dc wiki on this to see what happens i'm just not gonna read a the whole i don't even know how many issues there are even if this stretches over another three issues i don't feel like reading it because it's not that captivating but enough that i'm curious what is going on so it's a very interesting read in the end for me the artwork i always like to say good things about the artwork and i will say it's well drawn but these colors just are Oh my God. The co- I, I guess the complaint would be with the colorist. The colors are just all over the place. It's, ah, there's not a panel I like that I will sit and point at and say, I like how that all looks because I think every panel, and maybe this is by design, has just some contrasting colors that are just not complementary. And maybe it's supposed to do that, but maybe not. I, 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 the drawing, again, it's 80s comic art. It's a uh, very action oriented. The drawings are great. I can't do these. And even if I couldn't, and I didn't like the art, I pointed out, but the drawing is very good, but the color just steals every bit of good from the drawing. It's just an awful color palette. It's very green and very, very yellow, which are not two of my favorite colors to begin with. One of my favorite part in the pages of this comic are the ads there's some awesome ads in here there is some there's a lot of model kits which is not something i've come across in some of my other coverage and it starts with a masters of the universe model kit of two things i've never seen in model form the talent fighter and the attack track those are the first set of model kits moving on we actually get a a bubble yum ad page with like a word jumble but then this is the only thing that stood out the return of the jedi mpc model collection what's weird about this is that the or weird for me i should say that the 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 page is a drawing it's a comic drawing of the ship but i've i think i've had i think i've had all of these and one i might not have had is the a-wing fighter it's got the tie interceptor the imperial shuttle shuttle tidarium probably b-wing fighter a-wing fighter and a biker scout on a speeder bike i had all these except maybe the a-wing so and i'm looking at these in a comic ad form but i i have had and i'm picturing in my head what i've had and i was not a model maker i was barely even a hobbyist i would assemble these and glue them together and never paint them so the pictures i have in my head are all solid one color but i still loved them because as cool as the tenor kenner toys were which were super cool the detail needs were even more so but these also weren't toys so they 
kind of broke pretty easy, but I used to love those model kits and I had ones beyond that too as well. I had a Death Star. I had a Death Star that came with a fiber optic uh, fiber optic kit so you could light it up. And he also came with this little teeny tiny drill bit, which I immediately broke on the first hole I drilled. I never finished that uh, that model, unfortunately. A uh, big two-page ad for Saturday morning cartoons. They start on September 17th, and this year they featured Mr. T, the Smurfs, the Fantastic Four, I think, or is it? Oh, wait, here we go. It's right here. It's uh, the, the, the Amazing Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk. Okay, so that's not the Fantastic Four. It's not even close. So, uh, like I said, the Flintstone Funnies. I said Mr. T. Uh, the Shirt Tails. What are those? Oh, those are those little, like, tigers with the shirts. And their tails stick out. I never realized that's why they're called Shirt Tails. I also never watched a cartoon. And Thunder the Barbarian. I used to love Saturday morning cartoons. I love listening to Saturday morning cartoon podcasts, which is why I don't do any because I don't have time and everything that can be said is said very well. So no need to do them. So there you go. There's one subject I don't need to talk endlessly about and I can just listen and enjoy. A couple other ads. There's a Kmart ad for uh, Sergeant Rock from Remco. I don't know these. These are looks like uh well they are army and military action figures and then there's some other ones hercules warlock iraq son of thunder i'm sure someone listening to this knows what these are these are not ringing a bell again not in this form of this ad maybe if it was a photo i'd recognize or recognize them better but not not ringing a bell right off the top of my head there's an ad for superman peanut butter oh my god i forgot about this i i know i had at least a jar of this i don't think it was anything special more special than any other Peanut butter, except that a Superman. Oh, I forgot about this. And in this, you could get you can get a reprint of Action Comics number one with two labels from Superman peanut butter. Huh, that's a product I forgot about. I guess see if anyone's selling the. I bet you those empty jars are on eBay. Uh, there's a ad for the Atari game Bump and Jump, which I know I played. I don't think I own. Must have been one I played at a, at a friend's house. It was just a. It's a a forward motion bottom to top screen of these cars, and you. Just you could bump each other off side of the road and they'd blow up, or you could jump over them to pass them on the track. And I think that's about it. I don't think I, there's much more to tell. Uh, and add for Power Lords. I remember these as well. These are characters that like twisted at their waist. They turned into humans and then the, the, their alter ego. Some are monsters. This particular guy, I don't know who he is. I don't know any of their names, but he turns into like this blue cyborg robot thing. I do remember these figures. And then that is it for this comic. So, all right, what on earth do I rate this? Especially considering, I, by all appearances, I don't think I bought this on purpose. I think it was in with a bunch of other things that I did want. I didn't have much interest in finding out what this was. And in the end, I don't really feel much interest in finding out what happens after. So, with that, I'll say that this one even despite all those, is pretty good. It's not great. It's not stupendous. <laughs> it's uh, but it's not that stupid. It is actually, take it back, it is hella stupid, but in a good way, in a way that it kind of grew on me just long enough that I'd get to that last page, but not enough to dig into the rest of the story or the mythos or anything about this. Like I said, the artwork is okay, but the coloring is just, I can't take it. It's not my color palette. I don't like it. All in all, in the end, not bad. Actually, pretty good. And I'm shocked. And on that shock, that does it for this episode. But that doesn't do it for this month, of course. If you're a Patreon supporter, there'll be another episode of Matt's Crummy Comics Collection in just a few days. And we're sticking with the Atari theme. 
That episode is going to feature a fairly new title, and that is Atari Centipede Number 1 from the summer of 2017. So again, that'll be on Patreon very soon. If you don't know what Patreon is, that is the thing that keeps everything that we do at News as online and keeps our entire back catalog available to everybody for free. If you want to help support what we do and get access to these exclusive episodes and a lot of other things that we have for our supporters, all those details can be found at news. I'm sorry, at patreon.com slash news as if you don't already follow us on social media, please do. We're news as podcasts on Facebook and news as on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, everything that we do, including all the episodes of Matt's crummy comics collection and all the shows that we do can be found at news that does it except for one thing, which is thanking you for listening to this episode. I'll be back next month with another crummy comic. Until then, I'll say one more time, thank you for listening, and I'll see you in that next episode. 